chapter thirty two part one of the children of the abbey this is a librivox recording all librivox recordings are in the public domain for more information or to volunteer please visit librivox dot org the children of the abbey by regina maria roche chapter thirty two part one the breezy call of incense breathing morn the swallow twittering from its straw-built shed the cock's shrill clarion or the echoing horn no more shall rouse him from his lowly bed gray the weakness which amanda felt in consequence of her late illness and the excessive sickness she always suffered at sea made her retire to bed immediately on entering the packet where she continued till the evening of the second day when about five o'clock she was landed at the marine hotel she directly requested the waiter to procure her a messenger to go into town which being done she sent to engage a place in the northern mail-coach that went within a few miles of castle carberry if a place could not be procured she ordered a chaise might be hired that would immediately set out with her as the nights were moonlight but to her great joy the man speedily returned and informed her he had secured a seat in the coach which she thought a much safer mode of travelling for her than in a hired carriage without any attendant she took some slight refreshment and then proceeded to the mail hotel from whence at eleven o'clock she set out in company with an old gentleman who very composedly put on a large woollen nightcap buttoned up his great coat and fell into a profound sleep he was perhaps just such a kind of companion as amanda desired as he neither teased her with insipid conversation or impertinent questions but left her undisturbed to indulge her meditations during the journey the second evening about eight o'clock she arrived at the nearest town to castle carberry for which she directly procured a chaise and set off her spirits were painfully agitated she dreaded the shock her father would receive from hearing of her sufferings which it would be impossible to conceal from him she trembled at what they would both feel on the approaching interview sometimes she feared he had already heard of her distress and a gloomy presage rose in her mind of the anguish she should find him in on that account yet again when she reflected on the fortitude he had hitherto displayed in his trials under the present she trusted he would not lose it and that he would not only support himself but her and bind up those wounds in her heart which perfidy cruelty and ingratitude had made and oh thought she to herself when i find myself again in his arms no temptation shall allure me from them allure me into a world where my peace and fame have already suffered such a wreck thus alternately fluctuating between hope and fear 
amanda pursued the road to castle carberry but the latter sensation was predominant in her mind the uncommon gloominess of the evening added to her dejection the dark and lowering clouds threatened a violent storm already a shower of sleet and rain was falling and everything looked cold and cheerless amanda thought the cabins infinitely more wretched than when she had first seen them many of their miserable inhabitants were now gathering their little flocks together and driving them under shelter from the coming storm the labourers were seen hastening to their respective homes whilst the ploughboy with a low and melancholy whistle drove his slow and wearied team along the sea looked rough and black and as amanda drew nearer to it she heard it breaking with fury against the rocks she felt herself extremely ill she had left the hamlet ere her fever was subdued and fatigue joined to want of rest now brought it back with all its former violence she longed for rest and quiet and trusted and believed these would conquer her malady the chaise stopped at the entrance of the lawn as she wished to have her father prepared for her arrival by one of the servants on alighting from it it returned to town and she struck into the grove and by a winding path reached the castle her limbs trembled and she knocked with an unsteady hand at the door the sound was awfully reverberated through the building some minutes elapsed and no being appeared neither could she perceive a ray of light from any of the windows the wind blew the rain directly in her face and her weakness increased so that she could scarcely stand she recollected a small door at the back of the castle which led to the apartments appropriated to the domestics she walked feebly to this to try and gain admittance and found it open she proceeded through a long dark passage on each side of which were small rooms till she came to the kitchen here she found the old woman sitting to whom the care of the castle was usually consigned before a large turf fire on hearing a footstep she looked behind and when she saw amanda started screamed and betrayed symptoms of the utmost terror are you frightened at seeing me my good kate cried amanda oh holy virgin replied kate crossing her breast one could not help being frightened to have a body steal unawares upon them my father is well i hope said amanda alack a day cried kate the poor dear captain has gone through a sea of troubles since you went away is he ill exclaimed amanda ill ay and the lord knows he has reason enough to be ill but my dear jewel do you know nothing at all of what has happened at the castle since you went away no nothing in the world heaven help you then said kate but my dear soul sit down upon this little stool and warm yourself before the fire for you look pale and cold and i will tell you all about it you must know about three weeks ago my jonathan brought the captain a letter from the post-office he knew by the mark it was a letter from england and so when he comes into the kitchen to me katie says he the captain has got something now to cheer his spirits for he has heard from miss i'm sure so to be sure i said i was glad of it for you must know my dear he was low in spirits and peaking as one may say for a few days before well it was always my custom when he got a letter from england to go to him as soon as i thought he had read it and ask about you so i put on a clean apron and up i goes to the parlour and i opened the door and walked in well sir 
says i i hope there is good news from miss the captain was sitting with the letter open before him on the table he had a handkerchief to his eyes but when i spoke he took it down and i saw his face which generally looked so pale now quite flushed this letter my good kate says he is not from my daughter but i am glad you are come for i wanted to speak to you i am going to leave the castle and i want you to look over all the things and see they are in the same state as when i came to it i shall then settle with the servants i hired and discharge them i was struck all of a heap the lord forbid you should be going to leave us sir says i the captain got up he walked to the window he sighed heavily and i saw a tear upon his cheek he spoke to me again and begged i would do as he had desired me so with a heavy heart i went and told my jonathan the sad tidings who was as sorry as myself for he loved the captain dearly not only from his being so mild a gentleman but because he was a soldier as he himself had been in his youth and a soldier has always a love for one of his cloth and jonathan had often said he knew the captain in america and that he was a brave officer and a real gentleman well the captain came out to us and said he was to be lord cherbury's agent no longer and being a good penman he settled all his own accounts and the servants in the course of the day and discharged them giving them both characters which i warrant will soon get them good places again well he said he must set off for england the next day so everything was got ready but in the middle of the night he was seized with spasms in his stomach he thought himself dying and at last rung the bell and as good luck would have it my jonathan heard it and went up to him directly had he been without relief much longer i think he would have died jonathan called me up i had a choice bottle of old brandy lying by me so i soon blew up a fire and heating a cup of it gave it to him directly he grew a little easier but was too bad in the morning to think of going on his journey which grieved him sadly he got up however and wrote a large packet which he sent by jonathan to the post-office packed up some things in a trunk and put his seal upon his desk he said he would not stay in the castle on any account so he went out as soon as jonathan came back from the post-office leaning upon his arm and got a little lodging at thady burns cabin merciful heaven exclaimed the agonized and almost fainting amanda support and strengthen me in this trying hour enable me to comfort my unfortunate father preserve me from sinking that i may endeavour to assist him tears accompanied this fervent ejaculation and her voice was lost in sobs alack a day said the good-natured kate now don't take it so sadly to heart my jewel all is not lost that is in danger and there is as good fish in the sea as ever were caught and what though this is a stormy night to-morrow may be a fine day why the very first sight of you will do the captain good come cheer up i will give you some nice hot potatoes for your supper for you see the pot is just boiling and some fresh churned buttermilk and by the time you have eaten it jonathan perhaps may come back he has gone to town to get some beef for our sunday dinner and then i will go with you to thady's myself no no cried amanda every minute i now stay from my father seems an age too long has he been neglected too long without a friend to soothe or attend him oh grant gracious heaven grant raising her clasped hands that i may not have returned too late to be of use to him kate pressed her to stay for jonathan's return but the agony of suspense she endured till she saw her father made her regardless of walking alone though the hour was late dark and tempestuous kate finding her entreaties vain attended her to the door and assured her if jonathan returned soon she would go 
over herself to the cabin and see if she could do anything for her amanda pressed her hand but was unable to speak ill weak and dispirited she had flattered herself on returning to her father she would receive relief support and consolation instead of which heartbroken as she was she now found she must give or at least attempt giving them herself she had before experienced distress but the actual pressure of poverty she had never yet felt heretofore she had always a comfortable asylum to repair to but now she not only found herself deprived of that but of all means of procuring one or even the necessaries of life but if she mourned for herself how much more severely did she mourn for her adored father could she have procured him comfort could she in any degree have alleviated his situation the horrors of her own would have been lessened but of this she had not the slightest means or prospect her father she knew possessed the agency too short a time to be enabled to save any money particularly as he was indebted to lord cherbury ere he obtained it she knew of no being to whom she could apply in his behalf lord cherbury was the only person on whom he depended in his former misfortunes for relief his friendship it was evident by depriving her father of the agency was totally lost and to the disconsolate amanda no way appeared of escaping want worldly want that hungry meagre fiend who was already close at their heels and followed them in view the violence of the storm had increased but it was slight in comparison of that which agitated the bosom of amanda the waves dashed with a dreadful noise against the rocks and the angry spirit of the waters roared the rain fell heavily and soon soaked through the thin clothing of amanda she had about a half a mile to walk through a rugged road bounded on one side by rocks and on the other by wild and dreary fields she knew the people with whom her father lodged they were of the lowest order and on her first arrival at castle carberry in extreme distress from which she had relieved them she recollected their cabin was more decent than many others she had seen yet still a most miserable dwelling wretched as it was she was glad when she reached it for the violence of the storm and the loneliness of the road had terrified her the cabin was but a few yards from the beach there were two windows in front on one side a pile of turf and on the other a shed for the pigs in which they now lay grunting the shutters were fastened on the windows to prevent their being shaken by the wind but through the crevices amanda saw a light which convinced her the inhabitants were not yet retired to repose she feared her suddenly appearing before her father in his present weak state might have a dangerous effect upon him and she stood before the cabin considering how she should have her arrival broke to him she at last tapped gently at the door and then retreated a few steps from it shivering with the wet and cold in the beautiful language of solomon she might have said her head was filled with dew and her locks with the drops of the night as she expected the door was almost instantly opened a boy appeared whom she knew to be the son of the poor people she held up her handkerchief and beckoned him to her he hesitated as if afraid to advance till she called him softly by his name this assured him he approached and expressed astonishment at finding she was the person who called him she inquired for her father and heard he was ill and then asleep she desired the boy to enter the cabin before her and cautioned his parents against making any noise that might disturb him he obeyed her and she followed him she found the father of the family blowing a turf fire to hasten the boiling of a large pot of potatoes three ragged children were sitting before it watching impatiently for their supper their mother was spinning and their old grandmother making bread the place was small and crowded half the family slept low and the other half upon a loft to which they ascended by a ladder 
and upon which a number of fowls were now familiarly roosting cackling at every noise made below fitzland's room was divided from the rest of the cabin by a thin partition of wood plastered with pictures of saints and crosses save you kindly madam said the mistress of the mansion to amanda on entering it burn got up and with many scrapes offered her his little stool before the fire she thanked him and accepted it his wife notwithstanding the obligations she lay under to her seemed to think as much respect was not due to her as when mistress of the castle and therefore never left her seat or quitted her spinning on her entrance my poor father is very ill said amanda why indeed the captain has had a bad time of it answered mrs burn jogging her wheel to be sure he has suffered some little change but your great folks as well as your simple folks must look to that in this world and i don't know why they should not for they are not better than the others i believe are nor now said burn i wonder you are not shy of speaking so to the poor young lady amanda's heart was surcharged with grief she felt suffocating she arose unlatched the door in the keen cold air a little revived her tears burst forth she indulged them freely and they lightened the load on her heart she asked for a glass of water a glass was not readily to be procured burn told her she had better take a noggin of buttermilk this she refused and he brought her one of water she now conquered the reluctance she felt to speak to the uncouth mrs burn and consulted her on the best method of mentioning her arrival to her father mrs burn said he had been in bed some time but his sleep was often interrupted and she would now step into the chamber and try if he was awake she accordingly did so but returned in a moment and said he still slept amanda wished to see him in his present situation to judge how far his illness had affected him she stepped softly into the room it was small and low lighted by a glimmering rushlight and a declining fire the furniture was poor and scanty in one corner stood a wooden bedstead without curtains or any shade and on this under miserable bedclothes lay poor fitzland amanda shuddered as she looked round this chamber of wretchedness oh my father she cried herself is this the only refuge you could find she went to the bed she leaned over it and beheld his face it was deadly pale and emaciated he moaned in his sleep as if his mind was dreadfully oppressed suddenly he began to move he sighed amanda my dearest child shall i never more behold you amanda was obliged to hasten from the room to give vent to her emotions she sobbed she wrung her hands and in the bitterness of her soul exclaimed alas alas i have returned too late to save him they soon after heard him stir she requested mrs burn to go in and cautiously inform him she was come she complied and in a moment amanda heard him say thank heaven my darling is returned you may now go in miss said mrs burn coming from the room amanda went in her father was raised in the bed his arms were extended to receive her she threw herself into them language was denied them both but tears even more expressive than words evinced their feelings fitzland first recovered his voice my prayer said he is granted heaven has restored my child to smooth the pillow of sickness and soothe the last moments of existence oh my father cried amanda have pity on me and mention not those moments exert yourself for your child who in this wide world has she but thee to comfort support and befriend her indeed said he for your sake i wish they may be far distant he held her at a little distance from him he surveyed her face her form her altered complexion her fallen features appeared to shock him he clasped her again to his bosom the world my child i fear cried he has used thee most unkindly oh most cruelly sobbed amanda then my girl let the reflection of that world where innocence and virtue will meet a proper reward console you here they are often permitted to be tried 
but as gold is tried and purified by fire so are they by adversity those whom god loves he chastises let this idea give you patience and fortitude under every trial never forego your dependence on him though calamity should pursue you to the very brink of the grave but be comforted by the assurance he has given that those who meekly bear the cross he lays upon them shall be rewarded that he will wipe away all tears from their eyes and swallow up death in victory though a soldier from my youth and accustomed to all the licentiousness of camps i never forgot my creator and i now find the benefit of not having done so now when my friends desert the world frowns upon me when sickness and sorrow have overwhelmed me religion stands me in good stead consoles me for what i lost and softens the remembrance of the past by presenting prospects of future brightness so spoke fitzalan the pious sentiments of his soul and they calmed the agitations of amanda he found her clothes were wet and insisted on her changing them directly in the bundle the good eleanor gave her was a change of linen and a cotton wrapper which she now put on in a small closet or rather shed adjoining her father's room a good fire was made up a better light brought in and some bread and wine from a small cupboard in the room which contained fitzalan's things set before her of which he made her immediately partake he took a glass of wine himself from her and tried to cheer her spirits he had been daily expecting her arrival he said and had had a pallet and bedclothes kept airing for her he hoped she would not be dissatisfied with sleeping in the closet ah my father she cried can you ask your daughter such a question she expressed her fears of injuring him by having disturbed his repose no he said it was a delightful interruption it was a relief from pain and anxiety lord cherbury he informed her had written him a letter which pierced him to the soul he accused me said he of endeavouring to promote a marriage between you and lord mortimer of treacherously trying to counteract his views and take advantage of his unsuspecting friendship i was shocked at these accusations but how excruciating would my anguish have been had i really deserved them i soon determined upon the conduct i should adopt which was to deny the justice of his charges and resign his agency for any further dealings with a man who could think me capable of meanness or duplicity was not to be thought of my accounts were always in a state to allow me to resign at a moment's warning it was my intention to go to england put them into lord cherbury's hands and take my amanda from a place where she might meet with indignities as little merited by her as those her father had received were by him a sudden and dreadful disorder which i am convinced the agitation of my mind brought on prevented my executing this intention i wrote however to his lordship acquainting him with my resignation of his agency and transmitting my accounts and arrears i sent a letter to you at the same time with a small remittance for your immediate return and then retired from the castle for i felt a longer continuance in it would degrade me to the character of a mean dependent and intimate a hope of being reinstated in my former station which should lord cherbury now offer i should reject for ignoble must be the mind which could accept of favours from those who doubted its integrity against such conduct my feelings revolt poverty to me is more welcome than independence when purchased with the loss of esteem End of chapter thirty two part one